I am Dr. Barbara Kiel, and some clients of mine prefer to call me Dr. Bibi. And to be honest, I quite like it. Welcome to my podcast. To be honest, a podcast that is born out of mental health efficacy. I believe in the power of intention, and my intention for this podcast is to educate whoever wishes to listen, and to make a paradigm shift in how we perceive mental illness. I also believe mental health education is key, and that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is to invest. In your own mental health. Let's face it, we all need to learn how our minds work, and have the skills to deal with life's ups and downs. And more importantly, let us strengthen our ability to better connect with and support each other. Strong, empathetic. Nurturing and caring relationships have the power to prevent everyday challenges from becoming more concerning issues like mental illness. The responsibility to renew focus on your own mental well-being begins now. Hello, welcome back to To Be Honest. Today we are going to talk about Gottman's Third Horseman. Defensiveness. So, before we get started, let us set the energy of this episode together. So, you may wish to put your hand on your heart and close your eyes, unless you're driving or operating heavy machinery. So, take a deep breath in, and as you exhale, let your thoughts go. Let Your worries go. Let your past go. Now take a moment to plug into the greater energy of the universe. Feel your heart, and imagine us all connected in a unified field of divine white light. And know that you are safe. All is well. And so it is. So take another deep breath in, and as you exhale, let it out with a sigh. And when you are ready, slowly open your eyes. In psychology, we define defensiveness as the tendency to be overly sensitive to comments and criticisms and to deny them. So, let me ask you this question: Does your partner or friend keep saying you are so defensive, which just makes you feel well? I'm sure, like you need to defend yourself more. To be honest, it won't be a good idea. Now it might be time to consider how defensiveness is damaging your relationships. The important question: How can defensiveness ruin your relationships? For one, it makes you a very bad listener. 
When we are defensive, our mind is completely preoccupied with proving our innocence and as well as being right. I'm sure you have been in conversation with someone who easily gets defensive. Or is it possible that you may be the person? One thing you may have noticed is that when defensiveness is present in conversation, they are not fun. Conversation gets stopped, communication gets blocked, and in the long run, relationships slowly erode. To be honest, a lot of people talk about defensiveness without truly understanding what it means. So let's explore further. Being defensive is to defend. Defending something or someone is protecting them. A country can take military action to defend itself like what Ukraine is doing, or parents might defend their child against danger. When you are being defensive in a psychological sense, you are often attempting to defend yourself from someone or something important to you. Now, but what are you protecting, right? Usually you are protecting your ego when you are being defensive because you want to think that you are good, intelligent, or likable person, and you want others to think the same. You want to justify the decisions you have made, the things you have done, or even who you are as a person. Now, mind you, everyone employs defensive strategy from time to time, and that's normal if you are under attack. However, some people feel like they need to wear a full suit of defensive armor just to have a chat. Some people feel this way because they have experienced emotional abuse in the past, and others feel this way because they are up to something. To be honest, our ego is always there to protect us against threats. Now, that's a good thing, because otherwise you would be helpless. However, psychological defensiveness can be destructive. It's a very complex type of behavior. It's based on a combination of your beliefs, your self-esteem, your attitudes, your feelings, and your personality. Now, people usually start engaging in defensive behaviors early in their lives, such as when you were young, you may have learned defensive behaviors from others. When you felt threatened, as everyone does occasionally, you found a way to deflect the threat so that you could feel safer. And in psychology, it is called deflection. Here is a scenario. Let's say you are late again and your friend decided to confront you and say, hey, you're late again. Instead of just apologize, you feel threatened and therefore you start to deflect and you say to your friend, well, you are late last time, so we are even. Even though you know full well that you are the one that has always been late for appointments and not your friend. Therefore, defensive behaviors are usually harmful for both the person doing them and those on the receiving end. The truth of the matter is defensiveness can affect all your relationships with the individuals in your life and in the groups you interact with. If you often react to others in a defensive way, you might end up in a relationship that becomes unhealthier day by day. 
if you are defensive with your loved ones, your significant other, your best friend, your boss, you may create a very hostile environment in your home and office, and every time you interact with them. Mind you, we are not talking about real aggression or attack. You can always draw your boundaries with the aggressor. However, defensive behaviors can create animosity or distrust towards you that may not have been there before. This can lead to a vicious cycle of defending, frustrating, guarding against future frustration, and causing more bad feelings. All when being clear from the beginning instead of being defensive would have lead to a more positive outcome for everyone. Earlier, I mentioned it is not fun to talk with somebody who is defensive because defensiveness is the ultimate conversation killer. Defensiveness and open communication are like Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Any time one of them is around, the other one seems to completely vanish. And let's be real, we all want to see a lot more of Doctor Jekyll, A.K.A. open communication, and a lot less of Mister Hyde. Gottman's third horseman: defensiveness. So it is obvious by getting rid of defensiveness when it shows up, you will fight less. Your conversations will be more productive. Your life will be more peaceful, and you share way more understanding between you and others and your significant other. So how do we do that? The first step to getting rid of defensiveness is none other than to identify it as it happens in conversation. To identify the signs, we need to know what to look for. For one, please go to my website www. drbarbarakiao. com b a r b a r a k i a o. com, and under the main menu, the drop down menu, click on freebies. And there's an I believe it's a PDF file on a list of defensiveness. So look at the list and pick out your top ten. And if you have difficulties in picking them out, I am sure your close friends and your significant other will be able to tell you. And I am going to present to you some of the most common signs of defensiveness right now. First one is deflection. Now, deflection is a defense mechanism that is designed to preserve your self-concept. It is a form of projection when it is used to deflect blame. The example that I gave earlier between two friends: one tries to confront the other friend's tardiness. That means being late. That friend deflected because when the fault is in fact with us, we project the blame and fault onto someone else. So that friend, instead of engaging in the actual topic, That friend said, "Well, you were late last time, and I guess now we are even." This happens because we think we cannot take responsibility or blame for something and feel positive about ourselves at the same time. We are unwilling to feel guilt or shame. And as a matter of fact, if you are parents and you have children, I'm sure you also have seen your kids exhibit this behavior sometimes. For example. 
they spill something and blame it on the cup. And in adulthood, deflection can become much more insidious, such as the abusive husband who blames the wife for provoking him by not having dinner ready on time despite what she promised. Here are some other examples. An addict whose behavior leads to a group intervention and then says everyone has turned him into the enemy. Or a person who is told they are being manipulative and says it's just you projecting. Or someone who gets criticized for something they did and who thinks the critic is a hypocrite. It's the person who is destroying a relationship and says it always takes two. Or it's the friend who does something hurtful and says they were hurt by you before. Or a counselor that fails to help someone and says it's because they are too unconscious still, or are too attached to their pain. Or it's the partner who does abusive things, and when their partner gets angry at them, says they are in an abusive relationship because of the other partner's anger. Or a person who causes emotional distress in another person and who drives them to a psychologist to figure out what is wrong with them, and the list goes on and on. So, what you can see in all of the examples that I just gave you, these scenarios is that feedback from the world that would challenge the person's positive self-concept is not allowed to sink into their consciousness. Instead, it is deflected. So, if this is a common defense mechanism that someone uses. It can be your best friend, your parents, your siblings, your colleagues, your boss. People around them, including you, of course, will begin to feel like it is literally impossible to get through to them. It's as if you are talking to a wall, or to get them to own and stop doing something that they are doing, which is painful. Other signs of defensiveness、uh, during communication is that they appear to not be listening to you by yawning, or they make a lot of excuses. A lot of people tend to use this defense mechanism, and I mean a lot. So this is when you claim that external forces, aka circumstances, outside events, or anything beyond your control, forced you to behave in a certain way. So here is one example of a conversation. Person one: Why didn't you prepare dinner like you promised? Person two: That big client of mine talks so much. There's no way I could get away from work in time to get dinner ready. Right off the bat, we are dealing with a particularly tricky sign of defensiveness. That's because we often have really good excuses for why we do or don't do things. Right? We have all been there. I'm sure you'll agree with me when I say most of us are smart, rational. And logical human beings. Obviously, I wanted to pick up the dry cleaning for you, but I have this amazing bulletproof excuse as to why I didn't do it. And you see, my audience, here's why this is so tricky. It's because your excuse doesn't matter. Yes, 
Let me repeat. It doesn't matter. We are all reasonable people with lots of great reasons, but in the grand scheme of things, your reason isn't very important when it comes to creating peace and understanding in the conversation. What's important is Person Two's reaction. Notice how Person Two focuses on defending themselves instead of taking responsibility for not preparing dinner. Once we become concerned with defending ourselves and our behaviors, use that as a cue that defensiveness is just around the corner. Another common sign of defensiveness is denial of responsibility. This means no matter what your conversation partner says, you maintain that you are not to blame. This is how it might sound in a conversation. Let's say partner one. I can't find the remote since you last used it. Partner two. I don't know why you always blame me when something goes missing. Denying responsibility is a common theme among all signs of defensiveness. We often deny responsibility for our own thoughts, feelings, and actions when we communicate. Not only is this untrue, but it comes off as completely inauthentic. After all, nobody is responsible for your thoughts, and when you interpret what other people are trying to convey, those are your thoughts. And of course, you are responsible for your own feelings, and nobody can make you feel what you don't already feel. What about? Expressing defensiveness through nonverbal cues. Now, this one might seem like the most obvious, but actually is the hardest to detect. So, some common nonverbal cues include whining, crossing of the arms, change in tone, change in speed of talking, tension in the jaw, heat in your chest and/or limbs. Now, everyone experiences defensiveness differently in their body, but the key is that we all experience it. By getting more familiar with how it comes up in your body, you can take action to become less defensive and keep the lines of communication open. Remember Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde? We want more of Doctor Jekyll, which is open communication and less of Mister Hyde defensiveness. So, my audience, now that you know the signs—well, at least some of the common ones—of defensiveness, there is one last key step: practice. When you notice yourself or your conversation partner starting to get defensive, take note. Does it happen often? Are there any trigger topics? How does it feel in your body? If the conversation is getting heated and you are not sure what to do, take a break. Call a timeout and go for a walk. Come back and try having the conversation again. Avoid saying things you might regret. Once you are able to more easily identify defensiveness, you can put actions in place to ensure that it stays out of your conversations for good. So until next week, stay safe, learn heaps, and find the courage to be honest. Bye for now. La la la.
you can find this podcast, to be honest, on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and my website, www.drbarbarakiao.com. D-R-B-A-R-B-A-R-A-K-I-A-O.com.